you have your Bibles, let's turn to Mark chapter 10. That's where our lesson will come from. I will be reading from the a couple of verses from the Old Testament as well in Isaiah, but our primary thought will come from Mark chapter 10, verse 46, if you want to begin turning there. We celebrate the birth of the Lord this time of year, every year. We give one another gifts, and that's good. It it ought to remind us of certainly the greatest gift that men have ever received, and that, of course, is the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and given to us by God himself. And we celebrate that this time of year. And I trust that you'll take some time to read Luke chapter 2 at some point this season. We've not read it here. Maybe some other place you've already read it or heard it. But I'm not going to read there today. I, I trust you'll do that sometime during this next couple of weeks. Today, I, I'd like to speak to you about what that birth made possible. And of course, it made many things possible. But one thing in particular that I want to present to you today is, is what this birth meant for you and me. And I'd like to speak to you particularly today about a blind man who Jesus gave his sight. And you've read this story, and if you've grown up in church, you've heard of this blind Bartimaeus many times. And it might be something of an unusual text to take on a day so close to Christmas. And yet, what Jesus does here today is the reason that he came into the world, is to give men the ability to see where they could not see. In one sense, I think that is why he came, so that we can know God, so that we can see him in a way, to cast off the blindness of our sin and the, the sin that has settled over the whole world. I think that's in part why Jesus came, to see with new eyes and with clear vision what this world and this life is all about. Had Jesus not come, had Jesus not been born in that manger, had the Son of God not agreed in the determinate counsel of God before the first second of time ever ticked off the clock, had Jesus not agreed to come and to be our sacrifice for sin, to give us sight spiritually, we would all be blind, every last one of us. There would be no hope for any of us. So in one sense, that's why he came. To trade uncertainty that comes with blindness and fear for the assurance and peace that comes with being able to see. And the, the restoring of sight to the blind is such a vivid picture of what happens inwardly when the Lord saves us. It is as if we get new eyes. We can see things. And, and I'm not talking about externally with these eyes, but we can see things spiritually that, that we could not see before, that we were blind to, that, that were there, but we couldn't see. Faith, as we have said in the past, does not reveal to you things that did not exist prior to you coming to faith. Faith reveals to you things that were already there that you could not see. 
because your eyes were blinded by sin. Jesus came so that we might go from being lost and 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 not knowing where we are and what we're doing with this thing called life so that we might know where we are, who we are, and where we're going once he gives us sight. But there is a transition that has to take place for that to happen. We're all, according to the scriptures, born spiritually blind. Not one of us came out of our mother's wombs able to see spiritually. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. The Old Testament makes it abundantly clear that we are sinners from the beginning, that it is in our nature to sin. We don't see spiritually clearly. The Bible tells us without any equivocation, I believe that we are all born in that way. We, we, we therefore then we grope around in the world as we live our lives trying to figure out what it's all about as we grope around in darkness because spiritually our eyes are closed. It's darkness. There's, there's no light there. We don't know where we're going and why we're even going there. And so we stumble our way in the deep, dark, spiritual blindness in which we were born. And, and yet now there's a transition that can take place. Jesus has come so that we can see, so that you can see, so that what you're ignorant to, because you cannot see it now, you can become aware of. And that is that life is eternal. It does not end with the grave. It does not end here. It goes on and it moves on. And I think that rings true inwardly to your heart and to your soul because I think God has created you as a human being who knows inwardly there's got to be more than what we see with these eyes and all of the physical senses. There's more to it than that. Jesus has come so that we might see what the more to it is. In Isaiah 29 verse 18, we read this, Out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall See, this is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. And in Mark, four, Mark chapter 10, verse 46, we have this account of this blind man named Bartimaeus, whom the Lord gave sight. And this day for Bartimaeus began like many others before it, no doubt. Awakened from sleep, but unable to see. Awake consciously, but still in darkness, could move and, and eat and hear and feel, but unable to see. He's sitting once again, no doubt, on the side of the road that he'd sat by many times, hoping to be the benefactor of the people as they traveled by, to be the benefactor of their charity, that they might give him some alms, some money, so that he might be able to buy some food, and to make his way as a blind man, a beggar, not only a blind man, but a beggar as well, to make his way through the world. And this day started like all of those others that started before it. And, and maybe this day, though perhaps somewhat unique for us, for you, in some ways and in most ways, started like any other. But this day for Bartimaeus that we're going to read about ended dramatically different than any other day before had ended. Just like I think spiritually when we get saved. I can imagine how hard it might have been, by the way, for Bartimaeus to close his eyes 
on this night, that this day that we read about that night, I can imagine how hard it must have been for him. Can you think about this to for him to close eyes that could now see? I bet it was a long into the night before weariness finally overtook him. As he was no doubt marveling at being able to see and that idea, that concept, that whole experience was still so fresh and awe-inspiring. And, and we have some pictures here, I think, of how we go spiritually from being blind to having spiritual sight. And that's what I want to share with you. And if you'll read with me after that introduction, verse 46 of Mark chapter 10, they came to Jericho, that is Jesus and his disciples, his followers. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Out of the gloomy darkness would be the title of our message today. Out of the gloomy darkness, quoting Isaiah that we read a moment ago. Out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. The first thing that I want to note for you just very quickly, and then we want to focus our attention on these later verses, but just this man's name, Bartimaeus, is, is noteworthy. We've probably mentioned this before, but Bartimaeus is really not a proper name. Bar is son of Timaeus. This blind beggar on the side of the road, we're not given his proper name. This is the son of Timaeus. It's just the beggar, the son of Timaeus. It's not, it's not his own name. It's, it's his name that he inherited from his father. And, and not only did he inherit that name from his father, but he in, inherited a sinful nature like we all do. And, and he, he, Bartimaeus, struggles, as not very many percentage-wise do, with physical blindness. He couldn't see, but he didn't, he didn't even merit his own name. He's just a blind beggar. He's just one of those beggars on the side of the road. And in Ghana, as I've traveled there, in Liberia and other places, the beggars are along the side of the road, and, and the sight of them is, is unique to those places, I think. We, we see people on the side of the road here in the United States, but many of them far better off than, than beggars. I remember in Africa and other places, I remember we were driving through Accra one time, and there was a man, one arm, no legs, scooting around on a, on a piece of cardboard begging for alms and and you just in, in, begging other poor people for alms there's this man Bartimaeus just a blind beggar and and here's the son of God the most worthy man to ever walk 
the face of the earth. And here's a blind beggar. And this is the man that Jesus is going to give sight to. Sometimes I think we've got it all wrong with the way we think about Christianity and the way we think about Christ. It is not the rich and the powerful and the pretty and the beautiful and the well-off that Christ often is gravitating toward. It is those blind beggars in the world. Maybe you feel like you're a blind beggar, like you're something of like Bartimaeus. And I would say to you, if that's how you feel, you might be not disadvantaged, but advantaged. I think sometimes our prosperity on in this world is what keeps us and prevents us from coming to Christ like Bartimaeus does here to receive his sight. He makes in verse 47 an early acknowledgement that Bartimaeus recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Don't miss the significance of Bartimaeus saying, son of David. The Old Testament had proclaimed and said over and over again that the Messiah, that God was sending into the world, the Savior of the world, his son was going to come and he was going to be the Messiah, the Savior, and he was going to be the son of David, a, a descendant of the line of David. And so for Bartimaeus to say son of David, it is the same as if he were saying, Lord, Savior, Messiah. As he called him son of David, and he calls out to him, he hears Jesus is coming down the road. He hears Jesus is near. He can't see, of course, but he hears it. And people say, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. And he begins to cry out. And he doesn't say Jesus. He says, no alone. He says, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. Son of David. So he's, he's recognized who it is that he is crying out to. And if you're spiritually blind, I want you to understand who it is that you need to cry out to, and that is Jesus Christ. The only name under heaven by which we can be saved and anyone else has ever been saved. Others in verse 48 began to rebuke him. We know the story. Telling him to be silent. Don't bother the master. Jesus has better things to do than to bother with you, Bartimaeus, you blind Beggar, this is the Son of God. We believe Him to be the Messiah. What on earth would He have anything to do with the likes of you? But does Bartimaeus get discouraged? He does not. There are going to be a great many obstacles, I think, at times in, our, in your way. Getting to the Lord in this world is one of them and the people in it. There might be people even to discourage you from coming to the Lord. Maybe even not overtly or maybe overtly directly or indirectly to keep you from crying out to the Lord. I want you to be insistent like Bartimaeus was and to match and mirror his determination to get to Christ, to come to the Lord. Bartimaeus did not care what people were saying. He wanted Jesus to hear him. And I ask all of us today, is there within our hearts a deep, an abiding desire for the Lord to hear our cry. Is it the one thing that we want most when we wake up in the morning? Among all the other things that our daily activities might bring, is our heart intent on this primarily? Lord, hear me. I have said it before. I am struck again and again when I read Psalm, how off, the Psalms, how often David and the other writers of the Psalms are calling upon God to do one thing above all the others, and that is to hear me. 
Bartimaeus had this insistence. Lord, hear me. People discouraging him, trying to get him to shut up and to be quiet. And he says, I will not listen to that discouragement. Lord, there's one set of ears that I want to reach out to. There's one heart that I want to touch. There's one mind that I want to be aware of me. None of these others. Lord, I want you to hear from me. And I think lost or saved, that is a, a, an attitude of heart that we ought to go about our lives with. Lord, it's your mind and heart that I want to gain the attention of. No one else's. Whether anyone else sees me or hears me, or whether they tell me to be quiet or to stay put or to stay still, Lord, it's you that I'm most interested in hearing because it's you that either if you've been saved, it's you that gave me sight and now I can see. Or if you're not saved, that there's a convinced heart within you. Lord, you're the one that can give me what I need. No one else. And so I don't care what they have to say. I don't care what discouragements might be in my way and what other people might say. It's you, Lord, that I want to hear. It's you that I want you to hear from me. In this verse 49, I, I love that these very simple statements. Jesus said, call him two words. He must have been making quite a racket. He must have been making quite a scene. Some people maybe even have said to Bartimaeus, be quiet, you're making a fool of yourself. Be quiet, you shouldn't bother the Lord. He's got other things to do. But he calls out to him and Jesus stops and says, call him. Probably a surprise to many around him. But at this point, people were probably getting somewhat used to the Lord surprising them. And so they go to Bartimaeus and they say, tell him three things. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Take heart. Get up. The Lord is calling you. Those are powerful, powerful words. Be encouraged. The Lord has heard your cry and he is calling for you. The son of God, the Messiah, the righteous and holy one, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world has called for blind Bartimaeus to come. And that is the same story in one degree or another for every last one of us who have ever come to Christ. The Lord, the savior of the world called for us. I had heard the message of salvation many times as a small child, brought to church, taught the scriptures as best as I would allow them to teach it to me. I went to Bible drill, did all the things that a good little Christian boy was supposed to do. But I was not like this blind Bartimaeus until the Lord convicted me of sin and I understood that I was separated from him and I understood that I was blind. I, I'd had in my mind this idea that I'd already become a Christian because I'd been baptized and I attended church. My best friend was the pastor's son, uh, and, and I did all the right things. I, I went to royal ambassadors. I was in church every time the doors were opened, and, and I thought I was a pretty decent little boy. But one day I understood my blindness, and I was separated from God, and I knew I was a sinner, and the Spirit got a hold of me and let me know that without any uncertainty at all. And I couldn't have articulated many of these 
theological terms and these things, but I knew as I'd sit to my friend on my right hand, that son of, of that pastor whom I loved and still do, though he's passed on. And now I believe he is in heaven today. I looked at his son, my best friend, and said, I'm not saved. I'm blind. I didn't use those words at the time. I don't, I don't know God. I'm lost. I'm, I was in a moment like that, kind of like the blind beggar on the side of the road, helpless and hopeless in the world. But the sermon that day was, was a sermon and a scripture I'd heard who knows how many hundreds of times on John 3.16, but that day it was different. And it was different because the Spirit of God, I believe, called out and convicted me of sin. And I was no longer that good little boy. I was a blind beggar on the side of the road. I couldn't see. And I was groping around in the dark and I needed to be saved. And then, not with these words and not in this way, but the Spirit came by and said, take heart, get up. He calls you. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. The, the Lord desires to bring us to himself, to, 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 to heal our blindness. Take heart. Get up. He's calling you. If this is you, if the Lord is coming in your heart and he is saying, take heart, there's hope where you're hopeless Take heart, get up. You can't stay where you are. I'm not going to bring this to you fully. You must come to me. He's calling you, Bartimaeus, get up. He's telling you to come to him. To him. And verse 50 and 51, I love this. And this is where I want to spend a little bit of time. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Bartimaeus likely knew the Old Testament scriptures that spoke of the blind receiving their sight as, an, as a sign that the Messiah had come. We read the one in Isaiah 29, 18 already, but in verse chapter 32 of Isaiah, verse 3, it says, Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. In verse or chapter 35, verse 5 of Isaiah, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf, un deaf unstopped. I think this thought gave hope to Bartimaeus, brought it to him. But hope must be acted upon. Hope is, hope is not known in its reality until it is acted upon. And so Jesus asked him, what do you want? Jesus asked this blind beggar on the side of the road, what do you want me the son of God, the owner of, the ca of a cattle on a thousand hills, the one who spun existence into existence, the one who is eternal from past to forward, who holds and contains all of time, who knows all of the infinite vastness of this universe, and he knows all of the microscopic smallest points of anything that's ever existed. He knows it all, and he looks at this blind beggar, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And to some, this might seem an absurd question, an unnecessary question. Why would Jesus ask blind Bartimaeus, what do you want? Wouldn't it be obvious? Wouldn't it be obvious what this man would want? The answer to me would seem obvious. And of course, Jesus knew what the answer was. So why did he ask it? Why did Jesus ask Bartimaeus, what do you want from me? He asked him because Bartimaeus 
needed to say it. He needed to ask for it. He needed to confess to Jesus what it was that he wanted. Hope must be acted upon. Bartimaeus needed to speak what would sound absurd if it was asked of anyone other than the Son of God. He needed to, 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 by saying it and by speaking it, he needed to acknowledge who he believed Jesus to be and believe himself to be. He needed to recognize that he did not have to live his life blind, but that the Messiah had come and had called for him. I beg you today, in the vein of blind Bartimaeus, the beggar, to not live, live life without Christ. You don't have to. He calls. When he calls, go to him. Don't settle for life apart from Christ. You, you don't have to live life separated from the love and the forgiveness and the peace of God. You don't have to. It's not necessary for you to. Particularly in this moment, if he says to you, take comfort, get up. He's calling for you. Bartimaeus needed to proclaim his belief in Jesus' ability to restore his sight. And, and we have to profess to Christ our belief in him when we ask him to save us. I believe you can. I trust as much as I possibly can in myself, God, that you can save me, that you desire to save me, that you came to the world and you bled on a cross and you died so that I might have this opportunity to be saved. I believe and I proclaim and I confess your ability to save me. He had to do more than just show up. It took more than just Jesus being nearby. You know, one thought I had as I was thinking about this, how sad it would have been for Bartimaeus to have heard that Jesus was coming for him to just silently sit there on the side of the road while the Son of God walked by. How sad. No one probably but Jesus would have even known, perhaps. I was just a blind beggar, Bartimaeus. But if Bartimaeus had not called out and cried out to Jesus and would not be ignored, what if he'd have just sat there silently? What if you, in your life, just sit there silently as the Son of God walks by? Rather than call out to God, you sit in silence. Perhaps you are in need of something from the Lord today. But perhaps you've not named it. Maybe you're fearful to name it. You ever been afraid of something? Some event? Been afraid of some eventuality? And been unwilling to even speak the words? You're so afraid of whatever it is. Maybe you're not calling out to God because you're just too afraid. You're just unwilling to name it. You're unwilling to let all of everything else, all of the people around you, all of the situation in your life, you're unwilling to let it go. You cry out to God. If it's salvation that you need, perhaps you've not been willing to speak of your need. Unwilling to admit your need, unwilling to acknowledge your sin. I don't know, there could be so many things that could to prevent you. And I'm not talking merely telling me. I'm not 
that's not what I'm talking about. It'd be like Bartimaeus walking up to Luke or John or, or Peter and, and saying, hey, I, I need my sight when the Son of God is standing right there. Sometimes I do wonder why ministers or preachers even or, or, or anyone in, in a church setting would not want to simply be a director and a redirector to Christ when people come with, with this kind of a need. I need to be saved. Well, then you need to go to the Savior. You don't need to come to me. I hope I can bring you to him. And there was a need for these disciples, was there not, to come and to escort and to bring Bartimaeus to Jesus. And yet that was all they could do is bring him there. And then it was between the Lord and Bartimaeus, wasn't That's all the conversation that it was. It wasn't a three-way conversation. It was between the Lord and Bartimaeus. Maybe though, if you're unwilling and you've not named it, you've not spoken it. If you're saved even, I think there's some application here. This might be a similar struggle, an unwillingness to admit and acknowledge your real need, maybe. Sometimes I think we are like blind men who ask for God for everything but our sight. Financial security, physical health, solutions to earthly problems. I'm not telling you not to bring these things to the Lord. I, I would never tell you such things. But sometimes I wonder if we bury the lead when we go to Christ in prayer. We talk about all the other things instead of what's most essential. This heart, this mind, coming to God in clarity and asking him, answering his question, I should say. When Jesus says, what do you want? Now, why would, why would we do this? It's, that seems absurd, but we do it. Why do we do that? Maybe, there, maybe there's, I think there could be a handle full of reasons. Maybe there's, there's a need for humility that, that we don't have. In Bartimaeus, there was, there was humility here, for sure. There had to be humility. Humility in Bartimaeus, in a, in a sense, comes to Jesus. He says, not with these words as written in scripture, but I have a need that I cannot meet on my own, no matter how hard I try. I, I cannot give myself sight. And neither can I save myself. And if I am saved, Father, I, I can't live this life apart from you. I can't, as the song says, even walk without you holding my hand. When Jesus says to me, what do you want from me? I think he's asking that question, not because he doesn't know the answer. I think he knows the answer even when we have the wrong one to give to him. When we come and we say, well, Lord, I want this situation to be taken care of and that situation to be taken care of. And I'd like my job this year. It's, you know, it's annual time for raises. I hope that it's, it's a decent raise that I get this year. And we, we list all of these things that, again, are not wrong to list and they're not wrong to be thinking about, but they're not the lead. And they can be wrong if they're put in front of what is most important. My heart before God. Humility to say, I cannot do this on my own. With Bartimaeus, there was a need here for brutal honesty as well. I'm broken and I can't fix myself. There's a need to leave everything behind and go to God. And that's what he did. Cast away his cloak. And you might just skip right over that. I know it might be easy to. 
Well, of course he did. He wanted to get his sight. Some think leaving that cloak behind was a small thing. But remember who he was. A blind beggar. That cloak may have represented one of the very few earthly possessions he had. The only thing that would keep him warm in the cold nights. The only thing that would protect him from the wind. The only thing that he had to hold, perhaps, that was his. He left it behind. This was not merely a cloak tossed aside. It was hope in anything but Christ tossed aside. And leaving it. And some, it doesn't say this way in the scriptures, but many many commentators that I read talked about, and this is probably true, that the cloak was laid out in front. A, a, a beggar would lay the cloak out to receive the alms, and people would put their alms on the cloak. Now, I don't know if that's how this happened. It doesn't seem to me that it happened that way because he says he tossed it aside, perhaps. But either way, he left everything. So I want to ask you and, and me, all of us, what earthly possessions are standing in the way of our heavenly possessions? What earthly comforts are standing in the way of our heavenly comforts? So there was a need to leave everything behind to make this request. There was a need to respond in the moment. Bartimaeus sprang up. Sprang up. Take comfort. Get up. He calls you. He springs up. He would not dare keep the Lord waiting on him for a moment. Nothing would prevent him from making his way to the Lord. And I don't want you to think for a minute that I believe that you can go wrestle salvation from God. I don't think you can. But I think he stands there and says, what do you want? And when he asks, we have the opportunity to tell him. So what do you want from the Lord? What do you want from him? Have you thought about it very deeply? When he calls and asks, it needs to be an immediate response. And I want you to think about Bartimaeus here. He, he got up immediately to make his way to Christ, even though he, he could not see him. Think about that for just a minute. Linger there for a moment. Don't just read past it and, and, and get to the end of the, of the story. Bartimaeus springs up. He's blind. No doubt he can hear voices and, and can discern some direction, but he doesn't know where Jesus is. And you might say, the Lord's drawing me to himself, but I don't know where he is. I don't know how to find him. I've already said I'm blind. Yes, you are. But you're something like the dead man Lazarus who Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did. And you may not know exactly where he is. Yet he stood up and in that instant, he began trying to make his way to the Lord. You don't have to know everything or anything else, I should say, but this, that Jesus is called. You don't know how to, you don't have to know how to get to him exactly. You don't have to know where he might take you. You don't have to know the answers to the many questions that cause you to delay. You just have to know this. Jesus is calling for you. Take hope in that as Bartimaeus did. Take comfort in that as Bartimaeus did. Spring up to your feet and say to the Lord, I'm here. Where are you? 
I, where are you? I want to go where you are. I'm a ruined sinner, Lord. I need your forgiveness. And spring up and tell him that. I am lost and I need to be found. I'm tired of being helpless on the side of the road. I need to follow where you are going. I stand here blind. Please let me see. I have nothing to offer you, but I offer you myself for whatever that's worth. Lord, I want you. I need you. That's who I want. What do you want me to do? What do, you, what do I want you to do for me? I want you to bring me to you. Wherever you are. And, and help me to find you. And to feel my way toward you and to you. And not to just make this about an academic understanding of the scripture. But to make this real in my life. And to make it animated. And to make it something that directs my feet as I live my life. And I talk with people by the way. And I encourage them to follow the Lord. And to find him if they don't know him. Lord, bring me to you. That's what I want from you. Blind Bartimaeus wanted to decide I want God's presence, and I pray that you do too. I want to be able to see spiritually, because this world and this own my own flesh is blind apart from Christ. Verse fifty-two. Jesus said to him, "Go your way. Your faith has made you well." Years and years and years of blindness swallowed up in sight in an instant. If you've been saved, I, I want you to remember. I want you to remember that moment. Lost and dark, swallowed up in a moment with peace. Christ is mine and I am his. I am forgiven. I am with him. Years of darkness now turn to light. For Bartimaeus, that's what happened. And, you know, as I thought about that, it must have been disorienting, don't you think? Wouldn't it have been disorienting to, to all of a sudden, in an instant, be able to see where you, you couldn't before? I mean, they're almost dizzy. So much uh, stimuli now coming into the mind and color and, and the 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 sights that now accompany the sounds, it, it must have been disorienting. It, it must have been wonderful at the same time. It must have been sobering too, though. I thought about this as Bartimaeus' eyes were open. How sobering that that must have been to look around and see the brokenness of the world. He could see the beautiful things that he previously could not, yet he could also now see the terrible things that he previously could not. You ever gone and seen something that you'd say, boy, I wish I never would have seen that? Well, now Bartimaeus can see those things. And you know, when you get saved, it is wonderful. It is inspiring. It is joy. It is peace. But it also brings with it some things that you can now see that aren't good that you couldn't see before the sin that you reveled in now you see it for the damage that it is and the terrible destruction that it causes so it's sobering now joy no doubt prevailed over the soberness but a soberness over things previously unknown would surely have settled over bartimaeus as his eyes were opened to a fallen world 
Jesus has given Bartimaeus what he had asked for, and he says to him, did you pick up on that? Jesus says, okay, your faith's made you well. Go your way. Go where you want to go. You can go now, Bartimaeus. What does Bartimaeus do, though? Follows him in the way. Jesus says, make your choice, Bartimaeus. Go your way. And Bartimaeus says, my way is with you. My way is at your side. My way is following you. What a waste it would have been for Bartimaeus to use his newfound sight to go anywhere else. You might be wondering what you ought to do with your life once Jesus gives you sight and saves your soul. Maybe you're wondering that. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe that's a strange thing to to wonder. I don't think it is. The answer is here. The Lord's given you sight and he says, go your way. What do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And, and the answer is, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to follow you. I remember when I was 19 years old, after acknowledging my call to preach and praying and wrestling with that, and coming to the place of a willingness, having really not the foggiest idea of what all that was going to mean for my life and my family's life, my future family's life at the time. And I don't, I don't say this about me. I say this, I hope and pray and think about every child of God. I, I remember as he called me to that work, I remember telling him, Lord, I'll, I'll go anywhere you send me. As long as you're there. I hope that's our prayer for our lives. Minister, preacher, mom, dad, sister, brother, co-worker, friend, enemy. Lord, I'll go where you send. I want to follow where you lead. And now I have my sight spiritually so I can. Help me to be discerning and not to close my eyes, but help me to follow you out of the gloomy darkness into the light of Christ and the light of God. If you've been in gloomy darkness, my prayer for you is that today you'll no longer remain there, that you will, like Bartimaeus, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you. If not, if you're saved and you know the Lord, I think uh, I get so much, and I'll wrap up here, so much from how the children of Israel entered the promised land. It was exactly the same way that they exited Egypt. Their deliverance from bondage was through a, a river on dry ground, and their entrance into the promised land, having already been delivered, was over a river on dry ground. I, I think much of our life is spent fighting the same spiritual battles. Saved and lost is similar, not the same. It is similar, not the same. It is seeking the Lord to open our eyes so that we might see and then we can follow him. 
pray the Lord has used his word to impact your heart today. And if he has to him, I point you and ask you to go wrestle with him, acknowledge what he is speaking in your heart and follow him.